0: Back to Pinpoint History, everyone. Last week, we spoke about the women in Philip's life and a brief overview of the Macedonian economy. This week, we'll be talking about Philip's actions from 357 to 355 BCE. In the two years since Philip had taken the throne, he had been forced to put out fires, always reacting to events. Philip had managed to secure his position and quickly gained some victories under his belt. His decisive victory against the Illyrians in 358 had shown that Philip and his army could fight with the best of them. After the victory against the Illyrians, this had allowed Philip peace on his borders for the moment. This brings us to 357. The reason for the recap here is because from this moment on, Philip will become an active player in his immediate region, and soon will begin to exert himself in the geopolitics of southern Greece. In 357, Philip decided to make his move and sieged the city of Amphipolis. If you recall back in 359, when Philip had just become king, he had recalled all Macedonian forces back to the capital to muster. This included a garrison that had been installed by Philip's brother in the city. Philip also renounced a claim on the city, stating that Amphipolis was independent and that he had no right to it. This had eased the Athenian stance towards Philip, and as a result, Philip was able to defeat Argeus, who had originally had the Athenian backing. The Athenians sieged the city in 359 while in the area, failed, and went home. Now, Philip took his chance to siege the city and take it. Philip's siege of the city was the first siege effort undertaken by the Macedonians under Philip. The historian Justin writes that Philip brought up his siege engines and used battering rams in a severe and continuous assault on the wall. He soon created a breach in the wall and his troops stormed the city. After the fall of the city, he exiled those who opposed him but treated the rest of the inhabitants leniently. Demosthenes tells us that two envoys from Amphipolis, Hyrax and Stratocles, reached Athens during 357 BC and asked Athens to take over their city. So the siege of Amphipolis triggered the rise of a pro Athenian faction within the city. If they were going to be under control, They chose to be under the Athenians, and they sent two envoys to Athens to call for assistance. Athens was in a tight spot. They were having issues with their own client states, and this was more important to Athens to deal with than a city no longer under their control. Philip plashed a charming smile and a friendly letter to Athens, claiming that he was simply capturing the city to hand over to the Athenians. This letter seemed to work on the Athenians, which allowed the Macedonians to continue the siege uninterrupted. The reason for Philip's success in sieging the city was that it was easier for Philip to siege the city than Athens. The Macedonians could resupply easier, and Amphipolis was isolated from anyone who would help them. Philip kept up the siege consistently, and while many soldiers were more often injured than killed, the numbers still slowly started to add up. Still. The wear and tear wasn't awful, and Philip's numbers began to tell against the exhausted defenders of the city. They breached the city, and then it was over. Philip was fairly lenient with the city, surprisingly. He allowed his soldiers to loot the city, but it was done as non violently as possible, with the citizens also given leniency. Philip expelled the Athenian supporters and anti Macedonian dissidents. The rest of the citizens were allowed to stay home and the city would essentially retain day-to-day control of their affairs. Philip then immediately sieged the city of Pydna afterwards, an Athenian ally state within Philip's regional boundaries. Maps will be on the Instagram page. The city didn't take long to capitulate, and is speculated that the city fell with some inside assistance. People who probably saw which way the winds were blowing and decided to get in good with Philip. This, however, was too much for Athens to take. Having fallen for Philip's hoodwink with Amphipolis, now losing another coastal city in the Aegean Sea, Athens declared war on the Macedonians. Philip moved fast, though. As Athens learnt about Pydna and began the retaliation, Philip sought an alliance against Athens. Philip began to deal with the Chalcidian League on his eastern border. They were fairly strong, and their immediate posture towards Philip's accession had been hostile. They had sought an alliance with Athens against Macedonia early on in Philip's reign, but the Athenians declined. Philip would play nice this time and make a deal with the Chalcidian League. Philip offered to take the city of Potidaea, an Athenian settlement close to the city of Olynthus, the premier city of the Chalcidian League, and offered the town of Anthemis, which was in the Macedonian region. And close to the border of the Chalcidians. Philip's deal was a sweet offer, and the Chalcidians agreed. Philip, to further cement the allegiance, consulted the oracle at Delphi, and I'm sure, with a well placed donative to the temple, she espoused the will of the gods and wished for the alliance to be held. Philip used a combination of religious and political maneuvering to gain an alliance with the Chalcidian League. In 356, Having secured the alliance, Philip began his march to take part However, along the way, interesting news reached Philip's ears. The king in western Thrace had died, and his son, Cetripertus, sieged the gold mines of Crenides, a colony town in western Thrace. In response to the siege, Crenides had begun to seek for allies, and their pleas reached the ears of Philip. This was good news for Philip. He had his eyes set on the colony of Crenides, and more importantly, the lucrative gold mines. The siege of Amphipolis was a way to station himself closer to Western Thrace and to have a launching point towards the area. Now he could bring himself to Crenides, and more importantly, he could be looking as a conquering hero, saving them from their troubles. Philip, having began the march on the way to Potidaea, immediately towards towards Crenides instead. He reached the colony defeated the Thracian force and secured the city, and more importantly, the mines in the area. Philip had now control of the area. The city of Crennids would eventually change its name to Philippi. The city would be famous for the Roman civil war fought here, where a young Octavian, the future first emperor of Rome, and Mark Antony would fight against Julius Caesar's killers. The city is also famous for the letters Paul the Apostle would write to the city which would be the basis of the book of Philippians in the New Testament in the Bible. While this was happening, the Illyrians, the Paeonians, and the central Thracian kingdoms decided to attack Macedonia again. Philip split his army in half, him as a commander of one half, and the other led by a man named Parmenion. This man would become invaluable to both Philip and Alexander. Philip dealt with the Thracians and won a stunning victory and pushed the Thracians out of their western territory and fully annexed Western Thrace. Parmenian, meanwhile, dealt with the Illyrians, to promptly spanked them, and big dog the Paeonians into submission without actually having to fight them. Philip had now gained all of western Thrace, gold mines, two port cities on the Aegean coast, and once again had shown that he was the dominant power in the region. And after all that, Philip and Parmenion reunited forces and headed to take the city of Potidaea. Philip was determined to keep up his deal with the Chalcidians and siege the city. The city didn't take long to fall, and Philip gave the city to the Chalcidians. This time, though, Philip wasn't as kind as he was to the citizens of Amphipolis. He sold the citizens of Potidaea into slavery but allowed the Athenian settlers to go back to Athens. This change of posture towards Athens is interesting as he antagonized them greatly the year prior. This is more shrewd politics on Philip's part. He saw this as an opportunity to give a small gesture towards Athens, you know, despite just taking over a settlement. It's like if someone punched you in the face and then immediately gave you a cake afterwards saying, sorry, hit you in the face. With Potidaea now given to the Chalcidian League, Philip also gave the town of Anthemis to the Chalcidian League as well. Following this, Philip went back to Crenides, where at this point in time it was renamed Philippi, and he brought settlers to live in the city. This is where Philip gets a major increase to his economy, with the thousand talents being raked in annually from the gold mines here. This allowed the state to supply the soldiers with equipment. Train the soldiers and finance Philip's future wars. Philip still, though, was a big spender and often spent more than he had received. And here we get an anecdote of Philip's commanders ganging up on Philip while he was exercising in the palace. He had been wrestling with a foreign slave when they had come up on him. They had demanded back pay and he apologized to them and thanked them for allowing him to be successful. He then pushed past them dove into a pool, and just began doing laps. The commanders essentially just walked away at this point. So, there's a little fun story. Now, at this point, Philip was in control of more territory than he originally planned to conquer at this point. Now, he set his eyes on the city of Methone in 356, not far from the city of Pydna. Mathone was the last city in Philip's immediate region that was not in his control. In 356, we also have the birth of Alexander. It was a lucky day for Philip that day, with it being said that Philip's horse had won a race, and then the news had been given to him that he had a new son. Philip had two children prior to Alexander, his eldest son, Eridus, and his daughter, Kainani. Still, things seemed to be going his way. Everything so far had panned out his way, and Philip was keen to keep the good times rolling. Philip marched down to Methone, ready to take the city. So far, Philip was 3-for-3 when it came to sieges, and was ready to make it 4-for-4. Because, you know, shoot or shoot. Thought about making a Wendy's 4-for-4 special joke, but it just didn't feel right. Anyways, Philip pushed towards Methone and began the siege against the city in 355. The siege began to take on a different feel than the other sieges the Macedonians had participated in the last couple years. This had turned into a slog for both sides, as Methone fought on stubbornly. The defenders of Methone almost defeated the Macedonians when they were distracted attending to their siege works. Then, things took a turn for the worse. Philip, on the front lines of the siege, was hit in his right eye by an arrow. Philip was rushed to his tent, and his doctor was able to save his life. However, Philip would not emerge unscathed. The arrow was removed from his eye, leaving scars alongside his eye socket while his eye had been sewn shut. Philip had now essentially transformed into a bond villain. During this time, the Macedonians were distracted as they called off the siege for the day to find out whether or not Philip would survive. During this time, Methone was able to sneak in a relief force from Athens. Still, with Philip alive and recovering, the army continued the siege until Methone surrendered. Once again, after the siege was over, despite the injury to his eye, Philip played Mr. Nice Guy once again. He destroyed the city and took over the land, but the citizens and defenders could leave without harm. I want to contrast Philip's treatment of Amphipolis Pydna, and Methone against Potidaea. The former trio of cities are settlements Philip would rule over directly, and as a result, had an interest in being more lenient with them, as opposed to Potidaea. Besides the Athenian settlers of the city, everyone else was thrown into slavery, and to me, it smells a bit of realpolitik. Selling the citizens into slavery would allow for his soldiers and commanders to make money, so when he saw his chance to reward his soldiers, he took it. Philip was sensible and avoided cruelty wherever he could, but even he wasn't above the realities of his day and did what he had to do to keep his army happy when he could. Still, the siege of Methone was now over. Philip was in total control of his territory. He had subdued all the non-Greek tribes, annexed Western Thrace, and was in alliance with the Chalcidian League. Macedonia has transformed from a small kingdom to regional superpower in just four years. Philip had quickly reversed the course of Macedonia that it was on when he came to power, and now had made Macedonia a potent enemy to fight against. Soon, we will see Philip pushing into southern Greece, his influence beginning to spread into the proper Greek world. So, we'll leave things here for now, with Philip successfully projecting Macedonian power in his region. As always, if you like what you heard, give the podcast five stars and a review. I'll have maps up on Instagram so you can see that at pinpoint underscore history, and you can email me at history at gmail.com with any questions you may have. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get it.